famous one that you've probably heard of where the, the Buddha is out in the forest with the monks and he picks up a handful of leaves and um, he asks the monks, uh, which are more nu numerous, the, the leaves in my hand or those overhead in all of the trees in the forest? And of course the monks reply that obviously the, the leaves uh, in his hand are, are much fewer than those in the rest of the forest. And to this he states that um, in the same way, the things that he knows from his own direct experience, from his own direct knowledge, is uh, far greater than what it is that he actually teaches us. And he explains this a little further by saying that, that the reason he hasn't taught us uh, the rest of it is that it's not connected with the goal. It's not related to the rudiments of living a good life. Um, and it's not, uh, doesn't lead to dispassion, to cessation, to awakening. So it wasn't so important in his mind. Uh, what he's focusing on and what he has taught is everything that has to do with suffering, the origin of suffering and the cessation of suffering. And so the, this is like the handful of leaves. And I think that's what, what Andy and I are so excited about with this course this week is uh, this teaching of anatta is so much this handful of leaves. Uh, it has everything to do with how to get free of suffering. If we have some insight into the Buddhist teaching of anatta, of selflessness. So we start with the body. And uh, I really have been trying to get us grounded in that today, to get a, a, a sort of a, a, a sense of the body and a, a way of focusing here using this mass, which is solid, and it's, uh, it's easy to focus on. In fact, I think that because of its coarseness, lots of times it's sort of sidestepped in our practice. You know, we want to get on to the more refined things like feeling and thoughts, and we want to observe those. But um, it's really important to uh, look and use um, the body for a number of reasons. And one thing is that you can actually see the truth of anatta simply by looking at the body. You, can, you, you don't even need to look at the rest of it. Um, the body um, has this sense of... Uh, stability, um, a solidness, and like a, like a coarseness that allows us to cut through and see things in ways that we can't see it when it comes to the body and mind, I mean to the mind and to feelings. So it's like recognizing that you can use this as a real anchor, and everything we need to know is right here, it's like a laboratory. Lots of meditators report that some of the most powerful insights that they've ever had have come through observing the body as seen through these four elements. So I say that by way of introduction to really encourage you not to discount it. It's really an important part. And we start with the body for another reason. As you become um, skilled in it, in looking at the body, it's easier to see, for one thing. And it becomes an inroad, it becomes a tool for you to see what's going on with feelings and with thoughts. And our identification with feeling and thought is so much stronger. You know, it's, it, it, in the beginning you can get a sense. You know, you say, well, you're not your body. And that's not so far out a notion to grok, you know, and to experience. I can, you can see in many ways that you're not your body. Feeling and thoughts, so it's a different matter. Uh, certainly, we're very, very much identified with them. And 
so much of the sense of self is being created through feelings and thoughts. But it's easy to get in there with the body. And we can use it as a grounding force. We need sort of a grounding force just to, to help make sense of what's going on. It's a fabulous tool. I really want to encourage you to work with the body. What occurs in the mind, what occurs in feelings, can actually be seen through the experience of the body. It's like, uh, remember when we were little and we used to uh, go out and want to watch the solar eclipse? And uh, they told us, well, you can't watch it directly, you burn your eyes out, you know? And so you had to get a couple of plates and you poke a hole in one plate and the light shines through and you look at um, the second uh, paper plate and the, the whole scene, the whole eclipse can be viewed indirectly like that. And this is tantamount to the experience that I'm trying to describe. You can see the body, you can see what's going on in the mind by noticing the various ways that the body is being held, certain constrictions and tightness. Like lots of times you, you see meditators in the hall all kind of leaning forward, really caught up in their thoughts. It's like, you know, it just can't get, quite get enough of them. Or just notice yourself if you're anxious or nervous, how the jaw will be clenched and how the shoulders will be hunched up. So we can really use the body as a way of getting into, getting a a sense of what's going on. And I've really used this tremendously in my own practice. I know I've talked to a number of you about it. Um, What I have developed um, for myself, which seems to work for me, is like if there are really, really strong emotions and I can't seem to sort it out. You know how so many times there can be such a jumble? It's like the emotional body, the thinking uh, complex is complex. And you, you can't, sometimes you don't even know what you're feeling. You don't even know what you're thinking, you know? So sometimes I, I, what I've done is just kind of go to my body and sort of feel it, you know? Like, what is it? Okay, I can't, I can't quite, am I angry? Is it, am I annoyed, you know? I can't quite get at it by trying to discern what the actual state of mind is. But then I'll just go, (laughs) or, you know, just like let it express. And there's a release that takes place with that. It's like if I can't see or receive my states of mind um, by actually discerning what they are, let me receive them in the body. You know, can you get that sense of that? It's like, well, okay, whatever you are, just feel, just go ahead and let yourself be and it'll, it'll jerk, it'll snap around, you know. We can get into this sometime if you want, but just by way of saying that um, you can really use the body very effectively in meditation practice to, to cut through. And similarly, um, I find that it's a real, because of its coarseness, it can be a real um, strong anchor. Like if the one is in a very complex state of mind and caught up, uh, and you just can't, yeah, I know you've been in these states of mind, you just can't snap out of it. It's like there's a compulsion to be caught in a mind state and you just can't snap out of it. So you go, you can just go and say, okay, forget it. I'm just gonna go back to the body, I'm gonna go back to the breath, and you sort of snap out of it. And t- by turning away from the mind and into the body. So it ends up being sort of like a little oasis, you know, a a comfort zone, a place to go and and retreat from uh, difficult states. And finally, I think it's really important to look to go to the body because you can trust it. The body can be trusted. 
it's like um, it's like a dolphin or a puppy dog. You know, it's you can tell it, it's literal. Uh, you you know what's going on with it a lot more easily than you do with with the mind. And the mind is slippery and it's obtuse. Uh, you can't really, you know. Sometimes I think I know what what's going on in my mind and. There's these subtle little states that are just trying to confuse me or mix me up or lead me down another path. You know, and it's it's like the the jumble of the mind is so complex, very very hard to sort through. And so I don't, you know, it's hard to believe much of what's going on there. But the body, you can believe. You can go there, you know, and you can see the truth of anatta through it. So, we can have insight with the body, we can use it as a useful tool to help us to, to get a sense of what's going on with the mind. And we can trust it, we can know that we can trust it. So like, don't, I really encourage you, don't be afraid to, to go to it and to actually develop a lot of skill in working with the body, understanding what's happening in the body. So how did the Buddha teach us as regards the body? In, in so many of the suttas, he invites us to contemplate the body according to these four great elements. Now there are other elements that he talks about, including the sense spheres and their objects. But um, really, primarily, the teaching is about working with the four elements. We'll get to those other things later in the week, but I wanted to uh, focus in just on these elements today. He said to observe the operation, the experience and the operation of the four great elements, both internally and externally. Look at our experience internally and externally. So, what are they? What are the elements? First you have the earth element, and in one sutta he talks about this as anything that that is solid, solidified, and clung to says that the earth element um, is the, a material property. It's a property that, uh, of, of solidness, of hardness, of extension, the property of matter, property of occupying space. So just get a sense of that, that density, the hardness, the, the heaviness of our experience. The water element is that which is water, watery or clung to. And by the water element is meant anything that has uh, certainly a, like a, a property of cohesion. When you think about what water does, you know, you mix it with some flour or you mix it with some dirt, and it takes things that maybe perhaps a moment before were flying all over the place in the wind, it'll take them and, and mold them, give them a sense of cohesion. Uh, it, it has this quality, so it's said to be, um, all the elements are said to be in every material particle. This one is the one that sort of binds things together. And the fire, or the heat element, is that which is fire, fiery, or clung to. He says that the, by the fire element we mean the property of heat and temperature. So when we experience heat, you notice the changes in your body temperature. This is the fire element. And it's, it's every particle of matter has the heat element in it. So even when you might touch something and it feels cold, you think, well, it doesn't have, the fire element is missing. Well, that's not true. It just means that the fire in one's hand is, there's more fire element in one, one's hand than what it is that you're touching. 
And the air element is that which is air, airy, and clung to. Uh, this is a, a principle of extension and movement. It's the, the, the principle by which we're moving around and uh, moving around the building and doing the walking meditation, for example. And according to the Abhidhamma, um, it's um, in a constant, all of matter is in a constant state of vibration, uh, even though we may not experience it that way. It's interesting, this is uh, teachings that have been with us for a long time, way in advance of uh, uh, sort of the discoveries of, uh, through physics that would indicate that uh, no matter is solid, but everything is vibrating. And these are the teachings that the Buddha gave so long ago. So his instruction is very clear regarding these elements. And he, he's asking us to begin to become aware of them and to experience them very directly. And we do this through the, through the body, internally. You experience the earth element as those solid aspects of the body. Right before I was getting ready to open my mouth, there's a little movement in my neck and, and uh, cracking the bones. You know, the bones are this element. It's like I was experiencing it earlier in one of the sittings. I was listening to the cracks and cracking of the building as it sort of settles down, you know, how the wood will crack. It's that same principle. It's that same experience going on in me. You know, that cracking of my bones. Um, experiencing it as anything that's weighty and solid. So, like when you're getting up from the cushion and you have to lift this mass. You know, this is, tune into this as the earth element. When you're walking, doing the walking meditation and the, the leg comes down so hard sometimes uh, as one foot goes in front of the other it starts to feel heavy or a uh, little more than you care to lift and move. It's, that's the earth element. Sometimes when you're sitting for hours, uh, one of the experiences that meditators will often get is like a lot of, like a, you feel like you're carrying the cross, you know. <laughs> this, this board is resting across your shoulders and there's this weightiness, this heaviness. Begin to tune into these, not as that, like leave the concept of uh, heaviness uh, behind, leave the concept of, of woe is me, my shoulders are aching behind and go instead into the direct experience of, of that weight of earth and feel it at that level. Nothing more. It's not, it's not an invitation to do anything with that but just to relate to one's experience in that way. So you see the earth element in the, the teeth and the skin and the muscles and the bones, all of this. So you might notice this like when you're brushing your teeth, taking care of your body. Notice the earth element. The water ele uh, element is evident in the fluids of the body. And uh, in one of the suttas, Buddha talks about the blood, the sweat, the tears, various secretions of the body, bile, phlegm. And there's some discrepancy in the teachings because the, the Abhidhamma says that you really can't experience the water element directly, that it's this thing that holds things together and it's not something you can experience directly in and of itself. But then you go to a number of suttas and Buddha talks about uh, bile and phlegm and blood and saliva and urine and, and all. So uh, can't seem to reconcile these two. It seems to me that you can experience it directly. You know, just Feel it in your mouth. Notice it when you urinate. I mean, you can, you can feel the water element directly. 
This is one of those things they debate about <laughs> Buddhist scholars and try to figure out whether or not it's, uh, you can feel it directly or not. Most teachers I hear say that you can. So the heat element is apparent in the fact that the body has this constant temperature and it's sensitive to the changing temperatures around us. And you'll notice that there'll be times when, whether it's from something external being in the sun or something internal, most of us women in the room probably know about hot flashes. You know, there's this rise of, of the fire element just uh, momentarily and um, creating a sense of uh, tremendous heat within the body. And then the air element is very obvious and you've been with that all morning with the rising and falling of the breathing. And there were a couple of times throughout the sittings that you could hear the gurgling of different people's stomachs, you know, the, the movement of the stomach gases and, and uh, body gases. Just to be aware of that, not so much as um, gas or rumbling, something like that, but rather as the movement of the air element, kind of settle down into it. One fellow in the last course was talking about that, saying how he, uh, you know, he would he would have these reactions where every time his body, every time he gurgled, you know, or he, his body made a sound with air, you know, he would get very embarrassed. And just noticing the distinction between uh, the actual experience of it and what the mind will do with that, you know, take take that and make that uh, something that um, is happening to me that other people are going to have something to say about and creating this whole problem out of it, you know, because we've owned it somehow and made it self. And so this is an invitation instead to drop down below that, get out of the concepts and the notions and the ideas that we have about these elemental experiences. And you short-circuit this whole tendency in the mind to go off into these incredible stories, you know? It'll create all kinds of things with simple elemental experiences. So the idea in practice is to begin to notice the physical experience as it manifests through these four elements. At times there'll be varying degrees of intensity, uh, they'll arise and they'll pass away. And the idea is to begin to relate, to separate out uh, one distinct element from another. And there's a number of ways that you can do this, and I invite you to experiment this afternoon. Uh, one way that is very effective is, it's kind of like that example I gave this morning of the um, icons on your computer screen. So just put four icons there, the four elements, and click your mouse on one of them, and bring that forward. Now this is a very effective um, tool for reflection. And say, like, you know, for the next hour, for the next two hours, I'm just going to see if I can tune into the experience of Earth. And this is something the nuns uh, at Amravati taught me. They said that they take, they practice with all of the Buddhist teachings like this. They take um, different aspects of the teachings. Like, say it was, uh, for in instance, the Four Noble Truths, or um, the factors of enlightenment or the ten paramis, they might take one of these and work with it for a, for a month, you know, for two months, and just uh, endeavor to pull that out of life's experiences. So this would be the same kind of thing. Take one of the elements, and it's 
It's not like to say that anything is right or wrong about one element or another. It's really just a, a tool, a way of becoming familiar so that you recognize it. So that at another time, when perhaps you're lost in thought or often uh, on some tangent, uh, it can, you can cut through again, you can come back, you're familiar with experiencing that moment elementally. You know, you can drop down into it at that level. And then the second one is, is the second approach, um, might be one that's more like what we've been working with today, kind of seeing things in a raw and bare way, holding this whole big field of awareness and noticing the play of the four elements. You know, like a juggler with four balls in the air. And uh, now, now you notice there's dryness in the mouth. Now you notice there's a hardness in the butt. Now you notice that there's a, a movement and a fluidity as I shift postures. You know, just to, to begin to contemplate your moment-to-moment -moment experience according to these. Can you get a sense of that? So there's like these two, two approaches. And um, I, you know, I really encourage you, don't, don't hesitate to play with it a little bit. Experiment. There's no uh, particular right way. The objective in this is to get a sense of what it is that we're talking about and to actually have a direct experience of, of our existence as the interplay of these elements. So why would you want to do this? It's good to get a sense of the reasons for doing these practices. Just be really clear that we're not doing it just for the sake of doing it. You know, it, it's sort of like uh, you can have this sense that, uh, look at me, you know, I, I, can, I can see the elements. Look at me, I'm the four elements. You know, <laughs> reduce your whole experience to these uh, these four elements, like it's some kind of acid trip or something, you know, far out on the elements, that's who I am. You know, and that's just kind of getting right back in the soup. But this is really for the purpose of contemplation and insight. We want to be able to gradually, over time, through the relating in this way, to um, facilitate a certain impartiality towards our experience. Sort of impersonalize it, relate to it with a little bit more dispassion, and thereby begin to have this insight into anatta. Break up the illusion of the body as self, as some physical matter that is somehow me, and something over which I have a lot of control. You can't contemplate the experience of the body as the four elements and come to the conclusion that you're in control of any of this. <laughs> You know, it has, it begins to break up these delusions. In, uh, in the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha gives a, a very graphic image to communicate just this impartiality that we're trying to create. He says, and further, monks, a monk reflects on this very body, however it be placed or disposed by way of the material elements. There are in this body the element of earth, the element of water, the element of fire, the element of wind. Just as if monks, a clever cow butcher or his apprentice, having slaughtered a cow and divided it into portions, should be sitting at the junction of four high roads, 
In the same way, a monk reflects on this very body as it is placed or disposed by way of the material elements. There are in this body the elements of earth, water, fire, and wind. Thus he lives contemplating the body in the body. So you have this image of a, of a butcher who has taken all the parts of the cow and he's sitting at the crossroads to, to sell them. You know, to, and it, his, he's quite impartial. I mean, no, no longer is this a cow. <laughs> you know, what we have here is the, the flank and the leg and the rump, you know. And this is how, uh, this is the quality. Can you feel that? Just get a sense of this. It's the quality he's in, inviting us as spiritual seekers to, to get a sense of, to relate to the body in this way. And there's a little side point in this that I think is really important. To, to look at the language here. He's saying to contemplate the body in the body. Contemplate the body in the body. Uh, I think this is really important because he's not saying to contemplate it in the mind. You, know, you have a physical experience and then you think about it. Or you have an idea or you have a concept of the body. You have a concept of earth, fire, water, air. And uh, he's saying, if you can get this, this is quite subtle, but don't deal with it at that level. Don't hold it as a concept in the mind, but go right down to the elemental experience. And you can feel that. It's like in that dropping down to it, this sense of self is lost. You're going to it at a much more fundamental level. Now, the, the insights that occur by this kind of contemplation can be very, very powerful, <clears throat> incredibly powerful. <clears throat> you can get right in there under the elemental experience. So like, for example, if, if there's a toothache, one time I had a, a, a toothache, you know, right before having to go and get one of those root canals, this nerve just pulsing, 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 pulsing. So you can be with it at that experience, and then it's just, it's just this awful thing that's happening to me and I can't stand it and I want it to be over and what's the matter with this dentist and how did this happen and all, you get into all of this stuff. And, um, or you can take it and you can go below the concept of pain and go below the concept of me who is in pain, below even the concept of tooth and nerve and just experience the movement the direct contact of the elements. And, and when you do this, you get this sense that's like, what's going on? Or there's this little, <clears throat> and then it kind of goes, jiggles, 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 and then it, then it comes over here, and then it goes over there. And you sort of connect with it at this very profound and raw level. And after you experience it in that way, I, I, all that I can tell you, if you haven't, um, the meditators repeatedly report that it begins to break up this whole sense of somebody who has this body who, which feels pleasure and pain. It, it will break through the illusion of physical form as being self faster than anything. It takes a certain amount of concentration 
it takes a certain deliberate intention to actually go to it in this way. But you can do it. You know, this is what the, the time is set aside for this week. You've gone to a lot of trouble to get here and, and to uh, approach this subject. So try it. You know, there's nothing to lose. Now, it's important, um, as, as I put forth this approach, that it, it's not, it, we're not trying to, like, uh, the objective isn't to identify which element is dominant and what's happening with that. You know, it's like, um, you can get caught up in, in this sense of like, oh, there it is, there it is, it's water, it's water, I see it, you know. Oh, 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 oh there's the earth, there's the earth. <laughs> you know, and sort of miss the point of the practice. It, we're not, it's not about naming and getting the right name and getting some sense of what's happening. It's more subtle than that, you know, it's about settling, just settling down into it and experience it directly. So if we don't have this kind of seeing, I mean, let's try to give another, come at it from another angle. If we don't have this kind of seeing, what happens is you've got all sorts of problems with the body. One time I was sitting at the computer, this was a couple of years ago, and it, it was such a remarkable experience that it just stands out in my mind. I was sitting at the computer, working away, the window was open, it was early evening, and all of a sudden I got this chill, you know, like that. And right on the heels of that chill came this thought, oh, I'm cold. I should get a sweater on. And then, right on the heels of that, came the second thought, which said, what's the matter with you? It's not that cold. And it's like the, the absurdity of it just really got my attention. It, it's like, if, if you can't, if you don't actually stay with the experience, then what you begin to get into is this volleyball match of the mind, which is having experiencing, have experience, having something to say about that, and then challenging that. And then you get these, you get these internal dialogues, don't you? You get these fights going on in your mind about what's happening. And it's crazy. But this is what happens. It, it's, you know, if without this kind of seeing, that's what will happen. It, 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 it'll make you laugh. But then if you begin to see in this way, then you know, you see that the, the point, it doesn't matter if it's cold or hot. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. There's not a right thing to do in this moment. But self will get a hold of it and try to figure out what to do. Like, so you can put a sweater on or, or decide to feel the cold. It doesn't matter. But because we don't see it deep enough, then this, this is... I mean, I'm laughing at it, but it's, it's pathetic. <laughs> this is our world. This is our experience most of the time. We're kind of hanging out in this layer of um, internal chatter. So we want to examine our experience according to the four elements. If, if you can do it in just this way, Wonderful things will happen. I remember one time I, I told about the, uh, the last class we had 
where I had tremendous pain in the, in the knee. And I thought I was going to die. I really didn't think that I could bear it one more second. And instead began to probe in this way. And it, if you make contact, which is what happened to me at that time, just really feeling it in the, at the level that I'm talking about, it's like the whole thing just went poof. You know, it just disintegrated before one's very eyes. And I just started to laugh and laugh and laugh because it's like, is that it? Is that all, what all the fuss is about? My, my mind is going crazy over this physical experience when, when I probe it directly, it's nothing more than a little flutter, a little jiggle, a little, you know, a little up, a little down, a little heat, a little cold, a little hardness, a little softness. That's all that it is. So the, the meditation practice is inviting us to look at things in just this way and um, to have this kind of direct experience. It's very, very profound. When you can have direct experience of the physical form, it will affect your entire being. With a single moment of this kind of direct experience, really, it's, it's not that suddenly from that point on, the rest of your life, you're able to relate to the physical experience in this way. But it's like something solid has been broken up. You know, so that you, the, the pain that's caused by the attachment to the body is diminished noticeably. And the progress of meditation practice will take you through uh, uh, an experience of constant um, diminishing of that kind of attachment until eventually you get to this uh, place where there's such impartiality that everything that happens in the physical form is okay. It's not a problem. In our last class there was a, a participant um, who reported that he was, um, when he was practicing in Sri Lanka, he was instructed to work with the elements in this way. and. Um, he did for several weeks. They told him to stay with it for a month or six weeks or something. And so he said during that time he noticed a lot of tears, he noticed dry spells, he noticed heaviness. And what he, he said he didn't really know it, he didn't realize it at the time. But now he realizes that he was actually seeing himself according to these elements through the observation and the experience of the elements. So you might experience things like this sitting here on the cushion, you might notice at times that <clears throat> the body will feel very large. Did you ever have that happen? And so like all of a sudden you're an elephant. All their limbs are very full, kind of like this. Or you might have an experience of a, the body being very light, almost like you, you're just going to float away. And, <clears throat> and initially when you tune into experiences like this, I've noticed over and over again that the tendency is to want to make something out of it. So people will, will come maybe in an interview or something and, and, and say, oh my, my, my body is so light. Is that right? Is that it? You know, am I doing it right? And I, I just want to point this out, not as a way to make fun, but more to say that that's not the point. It's not, there's not a right way. There's not a, there's not a right and a wrong about it. It's just the elements. 
can you develop a way of relating to your experience as just that much? Is seeing it this way, it's insight. Yeah. Now if the mind wants to make something out of it, you've lost that opportunity. So stay with the actual experience. So that's looking at it internally. And externally, the, the observing is really no different. There's this sense of um, ex- experiencing things um, mostly as it makes contact on the body. I mean, externally, really, the elements are in the trees and the rocks and the wind and, and all of this. And um, the Buddha is telling us in, in a number of suttas that these are all made of the same stuff. That this, there, the elemental experience there is the same as the elemental experience here. You know, so, so to get that, you I mean, really, you have to kind of take a conceptual leap because um, none of us is inside of a rock or inside the ocean. We don't know what they feel like, you know. But we know what it feels like when it contacts us. If you get hit in the head with a rock, <laughs> you know what that feels like. Swimming in the ocean, you know what that feels like. So contemplating the experience of the elements uh, externally can be done in that way. We can experience them as forces around us that are making contact with us. And it's important to do this. It, uh, it sort of, it, it has the effect of really creating a certain sense of harmony with nature. I once saw in my meditation practice, I, I had the experience of like being a person who was looking at a landscape just looking at the landscape. And the, the thing about the experience was that I wasn't in the landscape. I was looking out at it. And contemplation of the elements will help us to uh, make much more direct contact with nature. Because in fact, we are already in the landscape. We're in it. This kind of contemplation will put you in the picture so that you see that the wind that blows the trees is the same wind that blows your hair, you know. The rocks that are rolling down the street are the the same heaviness that we feel. Get a sense of that and what ends up happening is a certain harmony and union with nature. It is really beautiful. You drop out of the concept. I was thinking of this the other night with that big storm that happened, you know, and noticing how my mind kept wanting to hold it as a storm, you know, and just trying to drop into it. You know, feel the rush of the wind and the crash of the lightning. I mean, that same kind of thing happens here in me. And certainly those forces contact me. So gradually what happens is our, our, our experience of nature in an elemental way, it changes over time. And you might find yourself in that landscape picture more and more. So why, why is this good to do? Why do we want to begin to relate in this way, to begin to have sort of an impersonal, dispassionate relationship Andy and I, Andy will be talking about the use of these words a little bit this week. Uh, um, just passion is not 
sort of in a sense that most of us think of it. It's actually just sort of a disenchantment, uh, a disinterest. It, it's not like we're trying not to care, you know. It's just that, that pull, that lure to get caught up in things, it diminishes. So the reason that we want to work with it in this way, to create this sense of dispassion, is because all of the suffering is in the personalizing of it. All of the suffering is in that movement to own it, to become it, to make it me. So it's as if the Buddha is saying here, don't let the mind pick it up and make some body out of something that is just the body. Don't make that movement. Leave it at the four elements and let it just be that much. But the real fruit, even a deeper fruit, is that the suffering gets offset. The suffering will be offset by our capacity to settle into the experience this way. The mind ceases to react with some sense of it being difficult or painful. It ceases to go into unwholesome states in relation to it. And these are the things that are our suffering. There, there are a, a number of suttas that I particularly am fond of. They're ones where the Buddha is teaching his son. There's, there's a, picture this, you know, his, his uh, son is a monk and, uh, you know, dad just says, well, come on over here. <laughs> I want to teach you a thing or two, you know, this is the Buddha. So imagine the sense of love that he must have for this, uh, this um, son. And uh, uh, I think some of these particular suttas hold uh, very deep um, teachings. So there's one that's called The Greater Discourse on Advice to Rahula, that's his son's name, and he, he tells him to develop his meditation using the four elements, and that if he can do this, then disagreeable contacts won't invade his mind. In short, the mind won't make a problem out of things. It'll be able to be with whatever he experiences with a certain equanimity. And again, there's really graphic image, imagery here, but I wanted to read it to you and invite you to just feel it, uh, what the, the uh, enormity of what he's saying here. He says to Rahula, develop meditation that is like the earth. Just as people throw clean things and dirty things, excrement, urine, spittle, pus, and blood on the earth, the bl- and the earth is not horrified, humiliated or disgusted because of that. So too, Rahula, develop meditation that is like the earth. Can you feel that? Like receive it. Receive the experience. Don't be disgusted, humiliated, discouraged by it. When you develop meditation that is like the earth, a risen, agreeable and disagreeable context will not invade your mind and remain. Develop meditation that is like water. Just as people wash clean things and dirty things, excrement, urine, spittle, pus, and blood in water, and the water is not horrified, humiliated, and disgusted. Because of that, so too, Rahula, develop meditation that is like water. He said, when you develop meditation that is like water, Arisen, agreeable, and disagreeable contacts will not invade your mind. 
develop meditation that is like fire, just as people burn clean things and dirty things, excrement, urine, spittle, pus, and blood in fire, and the fire is not horrified, humiliated, and disgusted because of that, so too, Rahula, develop meditation that is like fire. When you develop meditation that is like fire, arisen, agreeable, and disagreeable contacts will not invade your mind and remain. Develop meditation that is like the air, just as the air blows on clean things and dirty things, blows on excrement, urine, spittle, pus, and blood, and the air is not horrified, humiliated, or disgusted because of that, so too, Rahula, develop meditation that is like the air. When you develop meditation that is like the air, arisen agreeable and disagreeable contacts will not invade your mind and remain. So one way that you can measure success in meditation, people are always wanting to know, am I getting anywhere? <laughs> am I doing it right? One way is to look and see how are you in relation to these elements? Have you been able to develop it like he tells Rahula? Develop a meditation that is like the earth, like water, like fire, like air. So it's not that we want to cease to experience uh, the elements. You may experience actually that you have a a fuller sense of them as time goes by. I find that what's happening in my own practice uh, as I work with this is actually a greater sensitivity, an increased sensitivity to my experience at this level. And what's gone hand in hand with it though is that there's also a deepening experience of pain in a way that I, I never had felt before. But it's more momentary. It's like one feels things a lot more deeply, a lot more directly, and because there isn't this resistance or the play of the mind in relation to it, it's actually over much more quickly. It, it moves through, you know, everything arises and passes away. Without relating to things from a vantage point of self, they're free to do that. And uh, that is really a very momentary experience. So Buddha said to notice the play of the elements within us and without us, internally and externally, inviting us to really have insight into it. You see our experience as human beings as, as the coming together of these elements. Just like anything that is born, there is the coming together of these elements for a period of time, and then they gradually begin to recede. You can get a sense of that. They're coming together just like anything, like a wave, and then the receding, and our experience of those. So in the receding, first you have the water element begins to recede. As we age, there's a lot less moisture in the physical form. Things begin to dry up. You use a lot more moisturizer. And then the earth begins to recede 
and you find that the, the, you begin to actually start to move down to the earth, you know, the bones become brittle. Uh, broken bones as we age can be a great difficulty, a lot, a lot greater propensity for it because the earth element is beginning to recede. And finally, the, the air element uh, recedes. The body stops breathing. I just had the experience of witnessing that very directly as my mother passed away. Just watch, watching the breath come in, go out, come in, go out, and then it didn't come in again. It was amazing. It didn't arise again. And then finally, the fire element is the last to go. Uh, the body gets cold loses the heat. And this contemplation gets us to the experience of realizing that that's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. And actually, you know, it can feel kind of gloomy if we just think about it um, sort of in a depressed way. But the direct experience of it is actually quite liberating. You let go of wanting it to be some other way. Let go of all that energy, anxiety about it being this way. You just accept this is the way it is in our physical, material experience. So for the rest of the day, I want to invite you to contemplate everything that you experience in this way. And I'll be interested to hear how it goes. So let's take a a few minutes and sit with that.